Thinking about moving to London, Ontario, Canada, or just want to know what it's like to live there, or thinking about vacationing there, visiting someone there, or have to go there for work, this is the episode for you. You can see beside me, I have Dania Parker-Smith, realtor, uh, with New Vista... Why can't I bring my thing up with New Vista Premier Realty beside me? This is Wanna Move There, the show dedicated to giving Central Pennsylvanians the info they need to decide whether or not they want to move somewhere else. So if you're thinking about moving to an area, hopefully you can find an episode for you that will tell you a little bit about that area and introduce you to an awesome uh, agent and tour guide. Agents are the best tour guides. That's why I'm having them all on here. They all know their area very well. So this is the goal of the show. I am your host, Derek Bixler, realtor of 15 years. I grew up on the hill in Harrisburg, went to Mechanicsburg uh, High School, go Wildcats, and went up to Penn College of Technology up in Williamsport. Uh, been back here ever since, had a few sales jobs before I started selling real estate 15 glorious years ago. Uh, buyer, if you need to buy or sell a home, please contact me. Uh, call, text, email, throw a rock through my window, send a carrier pigeon, whatever you need to do. We still need inventory pretty bad, and we're going to ask what it's like up in uh, Canada when we get into it with Dania, if it's as crazy up there. Has died down slightly, so if you're a buyer, good time to get out there and start looking again. Uh, uh, a reminder that all the replays are on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, iTunes, Spotify. Not soon on those places. It's on there when the episode drops. I got to delete that soon thing. Um, so wherever you like to consume your content, you can find it there. And a reminder, I skipped it. Whether you're watching live or on a replay, please ask a question in the comments. If we don't see it while we're going, we will come back and address it later. Or if you just know one of us, say hi uh, and tell us where you are watching or listening from. And now I will shut up and let's bring Dania in. Say hi to everybody while I bring up your bio and then I'm going to read your bio and we'll get into it. So say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. It's nice to see you guys. Uh, Danny Parker Smith in London, Ontario. And I also work all around in the surrounding areas of southwestern Ontario. So there you go. <laughs> Yes, I was debating whether or not to put the southwestern Ontario in there, but then it gets too wordy for certain things. So I left yeah. it on London, uh, but we can talk about that a little bit. And I'm going to bring up the map here in a second. And uh, so I'm going to read your bio and give everybody a little bit of background on you. And then we will uh, elaborate on some of these things because there are some things in your bio that uh, stand out to me particularly. Number one being that you grew up in British Columbia. Whistler is uh, on my... My next stop list on my bucket list for mountain biking. Uh, last couple of years, it's been hard to get there. So hopefully in the next year or so, I can get there. Uh, you did grow up in British Columbia. You went to high school in uh, uh, Christian school in Cranbrook. And would have that been in British Columbia? Yes, that is. That's in the Rocky Mountains, right in the Rocky Mountains. Awesome. And then you went to college in Kamloops, Sprott, Shaw, and Oria. Uh, I feel like last Canadian person I had on, there were a lot of words that were hard to pronounce. And now I'm thinking, are there a lot of uh, Native American tribes or are things named after that kind of thing up there? Or what are all these? What's Camloops? Well, I do comes from. That one's like it's a private kind of college that specializes in business stuff. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. But the OREA is the Ontario Real Estate Association. So that is my real estate stuff that we had to take courses. Now switched to Humber College, but for us people who were there before the college and with OREA shut down, that's where we took our schooling. And in college, you went for uh, law clerking, office management, and real estate, like you mentioned. Your favorite color is pink. Man, I think last episode was not pink, but the three preceding episodes, I think, were pink. So you're on the pink train. I think the break was purple. So a lot of pink, 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 purple, pink. Um, and here we're pink again. And then popcorn, which stood out to me also. British Columbia and the popcorn thing, because I pretty much have popcorn beside me in my car, at all times, it's my drive around snack. We realtors, we drive around a lot. Um, and this is my snack, um, somewhat healthy. I do the lightly salted. How do you do yours? Oh gosh, well, I take the somewhat healthy to, to the little bit to the bad side because I love my popcorn with butter halfway up and on the top. <laughs> That's how I say it. <laughs> like movie theater, like you would buy the movie theater butter one? Yep, yep. They said you want nice. butter, I say it halfway up and on the top, please. <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure you have a big old drink with that one right beside That's it, right? right? <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm with you there. I like the, the crunch of it, the texture of it, everything about it, other than even the taste is, I love popcorn. It's something about it. Mm -hmm. um, you do have pets. You do have kids, six, um, a blended family of six. Uh, mm -hmm. So six kids, Not that doesn't include you. 
And how, what are the ages of them? So my eldest daughter is 33 today. It's her birthday. So she's 33. She's the oldest of our six. So we have four from me and two from my husband. And uh, I start at the top and he ends at the bottom. So we have six, uh, 30, 31, 28, 27, and 26. I think that's how it goes. <laughs> wow. Are there any yeah. grandchildren yet? Oh, many. <laughs> we many. have... We have eight grandchildren. Seven of them are girls and one of them is a boy. <laughs> That's awesome. Are they, they close to you or do they live elsewhere? They're all within an hour of us, yes. Wow, so do you do a lot of babysitting or traveling or? Um, so we, we try and mix it up a bit. I have one daughter that lives in town here and she has four kids, so I do a lot with her. Um, but the rest of them we kind of, take them as you know little bits here and there every couple of weeks I see them and you know I try and have alone time with each of them but it can get overwhelming because that's a lot of kids and I could spend my day going from child to grandchild you know <laughs> and start a grandma them. daycare yeah sometimes <laughs> they come with me to showings and uh you know took my three-year-old granddaughter to a listing appointment the other week because uh we didn't get a sitter <laughs> she was with me <laughs> she sunk me the deal <laughs> Hey, you got to do what you got to do. And sometimes that will uh, kind of seal the deal right. and get you some brownie points with that client. <laughs> and then your hobbies, well, you're married to Kevin. Kevin's your husband's name. And your hobbies are writing, kayaking, cooking, and gardening. So the, the writing part, well, I like the kayaking part and the cooking part and the gardening part, actually. But um, the writing intrigues me because... Uh, we actually do, as realtors, maybe you don't do your own, but we do do a fair bit of writing. We write a lot of emails. Uh, we write contracts and language, but we also write copy for MLS listings, which is my least favorite thing to do in the whole listing process, probably. Um, how do you, does your, does your writing as a hobby help you in copywriting? Do you do that yourself? Um, so I find writing, interestingly enough, I, I try and find, um, for copyright for my MLS for my listings, I find a little monotonous sometimes, you know, so trying to find ways to spice that up, I think as somebody who does love to write, I I love to um, write my stories of my life experiences down because I think they're important and I think I've had a pretty interesting life and a pretty intriguing life and it is a book in the works, but it's just going to take some time to get it all um, to the place where I can get it to an editor because uh, I think when you've experienced things in your life, sometimes it brings up a lot of emotion and you kind of tend to live, relive some things, right? Totally. So now let's talk a little bit about, I want to back it up back to the British Columbia days because you know I have to hear about this. I said it's, <laughs> I told you, I did, did I say that on air or before on air that it's on my bucket list, Whistler or anywhere in British Columbia, really. Um, where were you there and what was it like? Were you skiing? Were you doing all that outdoor stuff? Well, I grew up in Cranbrook, British Columbia, which is a small community right in the Rocky Mountains. It's kind of just a hop, skip and a jump from Banff and, and Jasper National Parks, you know, the big and Lake Louise. So a few hours from there, Kootenai National Park, that's another park. They're all kind of congregated and, and uh, butt up against each other. So I grew up there. But interestingly enough, I um, my father was very much of a mountain man and uh he loved to be outdoors. We did a lot of things um, hiking, but his four by fouring was his his world. And we as a family um, spend a lot of time out in the bush, four by fouring, being stuck in rivers and pulling ourselves out. And his, his motto to life was, uh, as long as we have three wheels on the ground, it doesn't matter where the fourth one is, which was a little bit concerning sometimes. <laughs> But uh, when I was 12, my parents literally moved off the grid and uh, I grew up for my teenage years um, living a pretty different life than a lot of kids my age where I didn't have a telephone and TV and cable and uh, indoor plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a dream to me. Most people are like, yeah, that does sound terrible, but I, I would like that. Um, 
but I'm weird a little bit that way. So I brought the map up here. You saw me yeah. share the screen. And for those that listening, we've got a map up here and I will describe it a little bit. So uh, how do you pronounce it? What was it? Cranbrook? Yes. Cranbrook is uh, right above Idaho and Montana, kind of right across the border of the U.S. on the western side, um, a little bit below south, what, west of Calgary? Isn't yes. Calgary one, one of the biggest cities in Canada? Calgary is. It's, it's the closest one to, to us. So if there was any sort of big major things that you needed to do, it's about four hours to Calgary to drive. Gotcha. Yeah. And you can see that there's mountains all around there. So it looks like an nice. awesome place. <laughs> Snowed a lot, I'm guessing. Um, yes and no, because it's part of more of the south end of the province. Yes, a lot of snow, probably more than what you had. But, um, you know, I, I guess when you've experienced a lot of snow, because I lived for 10 years in northern British Columbia, up uh, near mile zero of the uh, Alaska Highway, <laughs> then, you know, a lot more snow up there. A lot colder. <laughs> so what is that? So describe the highway a little bit for those that aren't familiar. Alaska Highway is nothing. It's just a two-lane road. One this way, one that way. It's like... <laughs> Up into just across the plain, the cold plains of... Yeah, well, mile zero of the Alaska Highway literally starts in a little community of probably, I think, about ten or 15,000 people called Dawson Creek. And not Dawson's Creek, Dawson Creek. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> And and it literally there's this like uh, where the highways connect. There's this little centerpiece where it's got a monument in the middle, and that literally is the start of of the Alaska Highway. So when I lived up in northern British Columbia, which was a little ways away from there, I lived in Mackenzie and Chapman. About one out of every three. Um, uh, cars on the road during the summer and the fall were coming or going from in there were US plates coming or going to Alaska. So a lot of RVs, fifth wheels, trailers, people huh. going up to Alaska with lots of jerry cans on the back of their car because there's not a lot of gas. <laughs> okay. So it's it's the main highway that takes you from the US up to Alaska and that's that's where all the through traffic goes. Well, and I was looking yeah. at go ahead. Yeah, somewhat. You would go up there and connect onto that highway and go. Yeah. Gotcha. And it looks like I was I was looking at the map and I'll, I'll bring up the, we can get into talking about what it's like in the climate since we're starting to talk about that anyway already, but I'm going to bring up another map here. Uh, so it looks like Canada as a whole, it seems like when you zoom out here, you've got all the major roads are down at the bottom or the major yes. highways go east to west. And then the further up north, I guess it gets too cold. So most of the population of Canada is down here closer to the U.S. border? Yeah, it's there's just not a lot up there. It's a, a lot of muskeg and different things like that when you're talking about, you know, extreme weathers and stuff. Majority of the population lives um, in the lower half of the province. I would say probably 80% of their 90% of the population lives from uh, about um, halfway, just over halfway up the province down to the south. So you have a lot of um, area that's not really inhabited or it could be, I'm sure, but people don't like to live up there. It's a lot. And, and it, the more you have to transport goods, the more expensive it becomes. Sure. Yeah. The more remote Alaska, Hawaii, all those places, everything well, gets and super you look expensive. At places and just over into Alberta, like Fort McMurray, which is um, a gas and oil, the oil sands where people always hear about the oil sands in Canada. And that's really a very expensive place to live and to, to reside because it's so you have to bring everything in. You don't, there's nothing there being made. There's no manufacturing. So it's the same as in the Northern parts of Canada where there's just not that manufacturing. So everything along the bottom is where we have all the interactions with the United States and all the different provinces and the trucking and the railways, right? Right. And then the harsh environment there too, just makes everything harder to deal with, I'm sure. Um, and we it's can see here, Siberia, but- you know. What? <laughs> it's not Siberia. It's pretty cold, though, isn't it? I mean, they, I've seen alone uh, seasons in Canada up there somewhere. It, it can be. It can get cold. Where I live now it seems like a dream compared to where I used to live when it was so cold in the winter that the bottoms of your tires would freeze flat. 
<laughs> yeah, and that's a great segue into where you are now. And you are kind of London is somewhat uh, enveloped by the U.S. It kind of sits on that part of Canada that comes down into the U.S. around the Great Lakes there. And for those of you who uh, can see the screen and that don't know your geography very well, you can see the pin right there. And I'm going to zoom in a little bit so everybody knows where London is near Ontario. So you're a little bit down into this, uh, it's not a peninsula thing, but kind of a peninsula since the US-Canada borders right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so you're surrounded by the lakes. What does that mean for the climate? Do you get a lot of precipitation or what does that mean? So we, we get a we get good rain. I mean, I came from a drier part of Canada where, where people don't really think that, but in, in British Columbia, it's drier than what it is here. We have a lot of more humidity in the air, a lot more moisture, more impacts from of that from the Great Lakes. In the wintertime, um, depending on whether the lakes are frozen or whether they're, they're not frozen, depends on how much snow we get. So where we are, we can be in what's called the lake effect um, zone. So if the if the lakes aren't frozen, we actually get quite a bit of snow because it kind of comes over and dumps on us. If the lakes are frozen, we would just get moderate amounts of snow. So, but it does, it, it snows, it warms up, it melts. You know, we don't get accumulations where you're walking through snow all the time. That's up to your thighs, you know, um, we, I have seen them. We can get some good extreme blizzards, <laughs> whiteouts, you know. So what, the lakes actually freeze? You were talking about the Great Lakes here. They freeze yeah. over? Yeah, some of them freeze, yeah. Lake Erie is the shallowest of them, right, of all the Great Lakes. So that one um, generally can freeze right over. Huh, like the whole way across? That Or just out to a... And, and that I'm not sure. Like, so I don't really go out there. So I don't know whether they freeze all the way across or how deep they would freeze but i do know people are ice fishing out there they're you know doing their thing out on the great lakes and but there is like ocean liners out on the great lakes they're really oceans right like they're so large so for me who came from a lot of puddles in british columbia because i didn't live on the west coast uh you know the lakes are really oceans and stuff for me so you know seeing ocean liners and you know cargo uh, ships are very big it's very different for me yeah, I mean you can you can get from the Great Lakes through uh, up yes. towards through Montreal, right? Up yeah, towards and then the you Saint get up, Lawrence. yeah, through the Saint Lawrence, yeah, up to to the Gulf and there's a little I Annie Costa Island. I don't know what Annie Costa Island, but yeah, so that makes sense. And and did they build that? Was there always a throughway, or did they have to build a canal there? There is a if lot. If you don't of, know, that's okay. <laughs> like the um, the canals and the water. What do they call the locks? They take them through lock channels. Gotcha. Yeah, makes sense. Probably enables Detroit and all those kind of the places around there to to be what they are and to have the industries that they have. Yeah. Um, so you are you're sitting there. So when it's colder, the lake would freeze more. So when it's colder, you have less snow. Would that be? When the lakes am freeze. I understanding I mean, that right? It could be just as cold. It could be just as cold. But if the lake's not frozen then then it's not going to it will snow more where we are because the you know i don't know if anybody ever lives near a coastal line uh especially on the west coast where it it uh the coast if you go to vancouver island say the snow will just kind of overpass them and land on the mainland right very little do they get there and if it does it just melts away so similar to here where we would get the snow but not as much if the lakes were frozen because it's dropping, it's not just picking up moisture from the lakes and, you know, doing its thing. I'm not a meteorologist, so I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Nor are you expected to be. I just want hey, somebody to, you if you ask me about here, I'd be like, it's cloudy a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It can be cloudy in the wintertime when it's like that. It can be socked in for a long time. But we do get some good crisp um, weather. But you have to know that when it's nice and sunny outside and it's blue sky in the wintertime, it's going to be cooler than it is here. But that being said, in the summertime, we can get pretty smoking hot. Yeah, and then a little bit of cooling off, keeping it on the cooler side. I would like that and not getting super, super hot, hopefully. Are we talking like 90s, 100s even? 100. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think centigrade, um, but, you know, when we're talking Fahrenheit, so, I mean, we're talking, say, 30, 35 degrees, and then you have humidity level over that. Sometimes we get up into the 40s, you know, with the humidity, so it can be quite 
hot, uh, funny story. Uh, some years ago, my husband and I billeted some kids from an African choir who came in the summertime to do some um, performing over here with their choir. And it was in August and they got out, I picked them up and they were like, oh my gosh, it's too hot here. <laughs> and I said, you're from Africa. <laughs> yeah, that's saying a lot. <laughs> Although Africa is a big continent. Are there places in Africa that are they were in South Africa though they were in South Africa you know but it's still like I mean we get hot and humid just like some of the other you know similar like New York gets hot and muggy right we're like that yeah and you're surrounded by water so it makes sense it would be humid there I suppose um yeah and so is it flat there is it because you're around water so you're not sitting on a little mountain up on that peninsula is it mostly yeah. flat around that area around the Great Lakes well, flatter. So, I mean, when you're talking about prairies and say like the mid, you know, the mid US, right? That's pretty flat. But we, we have some hills, some rolling hills, but most of it, we have a lot of farmland around here. Uh, so, you know, and um, when my family comes from British Columbia, they think it's pretty darn flat around here. But I, I think it's beautiful. So, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of farmland actually. Yeah, um, I, I pulled up an aerial. You just made me think of it. I didn't look at it today, but I was pulling it up the other day. And almost that whole little peninsula, if you look at an aerial, it's like farms everywhere, which yeah. um, is that accurate? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So there must it must be good for farming or it's just centered there for some reason. Um, it's really yeah, good that's for interesting. farming. Yeah, really good for farming. I think in our, I think Perth County, which is just a little ways away from us, has some of the best um, soil in the country for growing. Um, so they do a lot of uh, feed corn for, for cows and animals. We do a lot of soybean here. Um, we have, we used to have a lot of tobacco, but that has kind of gone down and people have switched to some ginseng. Now we have um, solar farms where we have solar, like fields and fields of solar panels. <laughs> huh. So this is very interesting. Yeah. And even these, these farms then carry over into Michigan, even on the Great Lakes, yes. they're kind of, and I guess it would be a good logistics place. I mean, you can ship it yes. everywhere via boat or car or anything also. So, and then obviously the farmland comes down into, this is interesting looking at aerials of the farmland. So um, yeah. fairly flat there. How far do you have to drive to get to the mountains? Do you have to go past Toronto? to oh, get yes. to more mountainous stuff? Yes, yeah. So if you were going up north, you could go up Lake Huron, actually, from where we are and go up to more mountainous area. Or you can go up to Toronto, past Toronto and, you know, Algonquin Park, um, the Muskokas, uh, you know, those kind of areas where you're going to get more mountain. And then up towards Quebec, you'll have a little more hills and, and stuff like that. That's awesome. Um, anything else we should know about the landscape or what to expect? So our, here's a question for a road cyclist. We notice uh, how hilly things are like crazy. Uh, you said it. there are some rolling hills, but no steep climbs. Not a lot around. of steep, crazy climbs, not a lot of real ravines and like that are really crazy. And coming from British Columbia, which is very windy and mountainous, you know, I find it lovely when I find a good, um, winding road that I can actually steer my car on and not turn a corner because it's going this way. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. And then my last question about the landscape is I'm looking at the map here. Um, if you drive north from London up through the little peninsula that goes like to the right of Lake Huron, and then it's Manitoulin Island. Island. Yeah. Can you, is there a ferry or can you yes. go across there? It doesn't appear yes. to be a bridge. Yes, there's a ferry. To, uh, gotcha. I think it's called the, the what's it called? The um, Chichimon. <laughs> and would that be the fastest way to get up there? Or would you go over by like a Toronto Beltway to go up around the Great Lakes if you're going to somewhere above the Great Lakes? Depends on the weather and the traffic, okay? Because so, <laughs> there's lots of highways through the Toronto, greater Toronto area. So the, the highway that goes from our, between us, so south of, of London through the Toronto area is called the 401. And that literally, part of that highway out just outside of Toronto, which Toronto's about an hour and a half from us, the, the edge of Toronto, so the Toronto airport. 
Um, that is literally the busiest um, highway in North America. Like it's crazy. It gets so busy and they're always expanding it. So I don't know how many lanes wide it's going to be. I don't know. It's like eight or 10 lanes wide right now and it can be jam packed. So if you have something happen on that highway, you literally can be there for hours waiting, right? Because you might be between jump offs, right? But, um, you know, there's the 407, which is a toll highway. People don't like it. They go up or you can go up the lake, which is a little more picturesque and, and have a lot of different places. And there's a lot of um, cottages and, and communities up there along the lake that are very beautiful and just stunning to see the Great Lakes up there. And on Godrich, they have um, a big salt mine. And so you can go down to the um, down to the port and you can look at all the big uh, ships that are that are carrying the salt down and into the factories, right? So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So do most people live or work in London? Like people that live around that area, are they working in London and the surrounding area? Or are they, do people like that live in London, work in Toronto? How far is that away? Give me kind of like how far the separation is. So we have a little bit of a mix. And I think COVID has really, really changed some of that, you know, Toronto is one of the most expensive places to live in the country. I think Vancouver is the only other more expensive place. And so for the average person, that's really out of reach for home ownership, right? For them, um, you know, the average home in, in Toronto is over $1 million. And so for a young family who's just starting out, that's, a, that's incredibly challenging to own a home, own a car, have children. You know, they just can't do that. So we're in this place. I can't remember exactly what they call it, but it's the drive-through. And, and it's really that people are driving out of Toronto and they're going. Are you still with me? Because you're kind of paused. Oh, there yeah. You. Oh, I got blurry, <laughs> all, too. You got blurry. Go ahead. I'll fix it while you're going. <laughs> so literally they drive out of the GTA area and they keep going until it's more affordable. So we have um, the Kitchener where, um, you know, we know other realtors that are from that Kitchener, Waterloo, Guelph, Ontario area. And those have really been impacted price wise by the GTA area. And so we are now being really impacted with that. And so with COVID, People were able to work from home more, and so they would come out further and further. And so we have seen an increase, unbelievable increase in, in the, um, people from the GTA. I think they said it was more than half of our purchases last year were from the GTA area, right? People coming out from there because they can afford a home. They, can't, they don't have to live in a condominium. They can afford a home here. And uh, so it's it's been a big challenge for our own residents here to keep up with some of that home ownership um, and that. So then we do have people that live in the outlying areas who drive that drive into London, but we also have the opposite way as well. People that want to live in the city, but they want, they work outside of the city in different areas. So for instance, my husband works um, for a company that is in a little town called Stratford, which is an hour away. So he literally commutes an hour to work each day, each way. Gotcha. And I'm just, I'm looking up stuff here. I was looking at the population. The population of London via Google uh, is 400,000 400, uh, as of 2017, it says. So yeah. to give everybody, uh, Harrisburg is about 50,000. So uh, London is a pretty big place. So I'm guessing there's a big downtown, um, maybe not as big as Toronto, obviously, but yeah. there's a, a downtown and uh, uh, an office center and office buildings and even some of the, the suburbs around it probably are the 50,000 uh, population kind of towns that even have little downtowns and office centers of themselves. So yeah. do, do a lot of people like live and work in the city or is it a lot around it as well? Um, people in, so London is really has a big educational center, right? We have uh, Western University here, which is a huge university, has like 30,000 students. And we have uh, Fanshawe College, which is our local community college, but has, you know, 15,000 students. So in London itself, we have about 70,000 students in a year that are residing here. So 
Western University abuts just similar, or just offside of the downtown area. And so a lot of our downtown core, like condominiums and stuff, are really impacted by student housing. And so a lot of people have investment properties in that area. But more and more recently, we are seeing people who want to live in the downtown areas and want condominiums in that area. And so we're seeing a lot more high rises being built where we have a lot um, taller buildings with more stories, you know, above the 13, 14, 18 floors, right? So we're looking at a lot bigger and uh, more luxury condos that we're seeing um, being built. But in that other aspect, we have a lot of historical buildings that have um, are brownstone-ish or might have condominiums that are built within, you know, three or four condos within one building and that's it, right? Your little corporation is pretty small. <laughs> so those are hard to find. I do some commercial and every every law office wants to own their own building, but finding a nice little uh, small office building that's not a conversion with a bunch of wasted space is tough yeah. to find. Yeah. Um, so what if, if somebody's living outside and say, I'm looking at a map, I don't know anything about anything, but St. Thomas, if they're living, say, in yeah. St. Thomas and they're working in London, how far would that commute be? Yeah, so that's very, very popular for people who live work in London, but they don't want to pay the prices or be quite in the larger centers. So St. Thomas is about 35,000, I think maybe 40,000 people. And it's uh, generally um, uh, has been about 25% less to live in St. Thomas than it has been here. I think that's, shift, that's a shift that's changing. And it really is only about a 20, 25 minute drive into the city. Oh, that's great. So yeah. it's, it's similar to central Pennsylvania, the, the your greater London area. You could probably yeah. drive the whole radius in 30 minutes, an hour-ish to get pretty much anywhere. What about, last thing I'm going to ask about the location and all that stuff, um, specifically is Sarnia. What's yeah. this place? Is it half in Canada, half in the U.S.? How far is that? Is that a th cool thing what's up with sarnia yeah, so sarnia is right along the border there uh it's got one of the um uh the border crossings there we have a big bridge that goes over um into the u.s right uh what's it called port huron and um so it it literally yeah, it sits right on that border on the river there or the the channel between the two lakes and so a lot of people uh, live in that area and work in the U.S., right? Huh. The Windsor, Chatham area, the Sarnia, they all, the, a lot of people that live down there. But the, a lot of people that live there love to be on the lake and they have boats and they go out on the lake and, you know. And there's and a lot far... of manufacturing in that area, right? So a lot of people work for factories and in the manufacturing business. How far, what's Hamilton? It looks like that's somewhat of a big place. Is yeah. that kind of like a port town? Yeah, so Hamilton's known as Steel Town, so they have steel mills, mills there. It also has a lot of fruit and uh, like orchards and, and wineries. It's near Niagara Falls and Niagara-on-the-Lake, which is a huge wine um, area. It, you can buy world-class wines there and go to like, I don't know, you could never visit all the wineries there. But Hamilton is is a larger center, um, and it has a lot of port stuff that's going on in there, and especially with the st steel mills and stuff. So you can see I transitioned it there to the employment thing, as you can see my tab I put up also. Uh, so what are the major employers? Obviously, you have steel. That's kind of a little bit away. So people working there probably aren't living where you are. I mean, maybe, but um, probably not, I'm guessing. So what's the major employer around where you are, other than farming? Well, so <laughs> or talk about farming some more, too, if it is. Yeah. Um, dairy. We have dairy farmers. We have manufacturing. So we have a lot of manufacturers. We do a lot of things, um, auto parts, um, and we do have some like Toyota has a couple of, um, they have a couple of factories here. We have a factory just outside of Woodstock, which is called Cami, and they do GM um, vehicles. So we have a lot of that. And then so I, funny enough, I have two children that both work in uh, 
in manufacturing and one makes carpets for Toyota and Lexus and the other one makes doors, right? So, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a little bit of all that. So when the car industry was really impacted in like the 2008-10, you know, in there, it really impacted our area and we had a lot of factories shut down. We do have some food factories here, um, you know, uh, different things like that, uh, but a lot of auto parts. We have healthcare services. We have world-class healthcare services here attached to Western University um, and our hospitals are teaching hospitals and uh, amazing that you're, you'll go in and you know you have world-class residents there that are working and they're the science that is being done in that in that university is is world renowned and then we also have a lot of digital and uh, um, you know technology type things we have some gaming companies that are based here and uh, um, LG Appliances has their um, one of their headquarters here for their um, what's it called ThinkQ, uh, their which is their their Wi-Fi kind of their techie thing that's attached to their new appliances, right? So we have a lot huh. of that stuff, yeah. Yeah, and it makes sense looking at the map again here. I'm not going to bring it up, but. Um... It's so close to Detroit. So do they actively like London and Hamilton and all this, all your kind of area there, do they actively try to not steal business, but get biz the same business that Detroit's trying to get to manufacture things? Yeah, I and, and I'm not too up on how, who's coming and going. You know, there's a lot of factories that are impacted from Canada because they say it's more expensive and they go to Mexico. We have lost a lot of that kind of thing, right, to there. Uh, but it just always seems to be that somebody else comes back, right? You might have, because we have food, you know, food, we grow a lot of the stuff here and we have a lot of our own processing plants and different things like that that are here. Like just down the road from me is the um, Dr. Utker's pizza, you know, like they make all the pizza for North America's made just down the road from me, you know? <laughs> so there's always something coming and yeah. And there's another factory that's being built and it's a little scary to me because it's supposed to be like, it's for crickets, you know, that people feed to their lizards and their, <laughs> Ah, I'm a little nervous because if that if that breaks out, <laughs> it could. Be I a mean, plague. it's not going to be just for lizards soon. <laughs> it could be a plague. It, I'm just saying, it could be a plague. <laughs> They're trying to make insect protein is one of the the yeah. new proteins that people and, are and that working very well on. Might be attached. I don't know, but we have a lot of those kind of factors. So regardless of what leaves here, it seems like people always have that ingenious, you know. They, they, they make it work here. They bring something more to the table. And COVID also, because we were so dependent on the United States for a lot of our PPE and stuff like that through the pandemic, we then really ramped up our stuff and, and you know, said, you know, we can't be dependent on other countries as much when we have a pandemic and they're trying to take care of their people. And it's only rightfully that people are going to say, well, hold the borders. We got to, you know, preserve our own people and our own country and so i think that was a big eye-opener for our canadian people yeah for everybody around the world i think a little bit yeah. of, of that but for you guys and us in the yeah for you guys just you're the only ones i hear about on clubhouse for the most part so <laughs> i tend to feel the canadian pain um and our pain too but um are there any other employers i think it, it sounds like it's a it's a good logistics place you can get a lot of places and that generally brings all the other stuff because you can then get the stuff other places mm -hmm. from there it sounds like there's a diverse uh employment base and colleges you mentioned a bunch of colleges yeah. right there and that's not toronto those all those colleges are right there in the london area yeah, right in our city. Yeah, we actually have, so we have Western University is our bigger one. Then we have a, an all-girls university that's Brescia University. Connected to that, we have the King's College. And then we have Fanshawe University. So, and we also have some like the International Academy, which really, um, it's a, I think, high school and stuff that we have kids coming from, um, a lot of, of Asian and uh, you know, Middle East people coming over, right? Here's a question I've never asked. To, I just thought of it. Do you have community colleges up there? Do you yeah, even know so, what I'm talking about? Yeah, so Fanshawe is probably what we would classify as our community college, but we have other ones. We have Westervelt and we have um, a couple of other ones that really are like technology or like, you know, trades oriented and different things like that. Um, but 
We also have just an hour from us, we have also a police college that's special for police officers and they have their own little space and it's kind of cool. Awesome. And now let's talk about my favorite thing is what is there to do? And every episode, I should put this just as the first thing because it kind of comes up as we're talking about the stuff, but let's talk about what there is to do and what people can get excited about doing. And this would be a cool place to visit on a vacation, I would think maybe um, even uh, not even if you're not moving there. So what is there to do? Uh, is it like a water sports place or um, what's it like? So London has, it's very interesting because we have a lot of different things and people are not afraid to try new things around here. But I always say that London's central to like, we're about an hour and a half from everything. You know, we're an hour and a half from Detroit. We're about two hours or so from Niagara Falls. We're an hour and a half from Toronto. And we, you know, we can go to the Great Lakes in, in 45 minutes. So you can get anywhere really easy and, and visit so many places that will, you know, re really, they impact you in such a great way in, in, in your whole life. But we also have a lot of things within our city as well. We, we have a walking trail that pretty much goes through our whole city. And then we have a lot of, within our city, there might be walk nature trails that are right there that you can walk in and, and go around little lakes and different things like that that I love to take advantage of because it kind of takes me out back to my country life where I can feel connected to nature right um, we have uh, a lot of um, activity plexes that have really popped up in the last few years like Kellogg's um, that you know the big cereal company they had a factory here and they shut that down some years ago right there was no more cornflakes from London none <laughs> and this building they've taken it and they've made it into this big center right and they have um, a huge activity centers trampolines you know climbing, all sorts of things, restaurants, things people can do. They're putting in, I believe they're putting in a um, convention center in there. The Children's Museum has gone there. We do have a museum there uh, in our in our city that's right downtown. It's, it's pretty cool. They have a lot of, uh, they bring in different um, uh, things to feature within in, in the museum. Um, we have a lot of concerts. We have some live theater that we do have here, but we have Budweiser Gardens, which is um, holds about 9,000 people. So really the first and foremost, it's the home of the London Knights hockey team. So the, they're part of the Ontario Hockey League, which is kind of the juniors right on, you know, under, on the way up to the NHL. So we have a lot of that that goes on and the, a lot of those kids play in like the junior hockey um, that's around the world. And uh, we have concerts. We have world-class people that come here and do concerts all, all the time. Well, pre-pandemic, of course. <laughs> and then we have some live theater where we have some some um, great live shows that they do. But aside from that, you can drive one hour from here to Stratford, Ontario, which is uh, known for its Shakespearean festivals. So every year they have, they have like, it's a town of 30,000 people and they have like four, I think, massive theaters that they have uh, actors from all over the world, the US and Canada, when they're, especially the Broadway actors, when they're off season, they come here, right? And they do a lot of big acting there. A lot of the soap opera actors will do live shows there. And so it's pretty cool because you have this big season from, I think it's May till October where you have, shows going on uh live theater with class acts you know i mean a lot of of a really high class names like we used to go see christopher Plummer there all the time right and so you know it's pretty cool that you have that so close but we have a lot of that here in london as well and then we have the live theater and uh, we have some outdoor music festivals that we have right down on the lake and they get quite a notoriety of you know live bands we seem to be we love country music around here <laughs> i mean they do that's love interesting to know maybe maybe more so because i love country music but <laughs> that i know is there uh is there a, a quintessential canadian style of music that they've created you've created or anything uh well have you just not known that there's a lot of canadians that are really famous everywhere i mean there are but it's not Justin it's Bieber pop was that was not like I don't know. Rock was invented here. Country. I don't want to get into mu music debate. <laughs> Country, rock, rap. <laughs> well, let's just go. Canadians invented basketball. 
<laughs> and you have letter kenny so i'm i'm down with you <laughs> okay so letter kenny letter kenny was really um fashioned after a little community that decided it was one hour and a half listable it's from there so my brother grew up there he was adopted out as a baby but he he lived and grew up in, in listable and he's he told me that and i was like what <laughs> so yeah i <laughs> love that show nobody knows what it is usually but <laughs> i okay i've never watched it <laughs> Oh man, I love it. And you Canadians, I could see Canadians maybe hating it because it's like super Canadian. So somebody from the outside, it's kind of fun to watch, but I think they're big stars up there. They're kind of like big comedy people. Yeah, I think, and what up was there. the other one? Corner, um, Corner Gas was the other really big, big uh, thing. And that wasn't from here. That was from the prairies, right? So you have to look that one up. That one ran for a long time. Corner Gas? Corner Gas. Corner gas. Huh. Like a gas station on the corner? Yeah, just like huh. that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> it's if it's anything power. like, <laughs> that's awesome. I like. I'm gonna look it up for sure. Hopefully, it's on Netflix or Hulu or something. Um, so, I don't think I've seen it on on Netflix, but yeah. <laughs> maybe I can buy it if it's if it's as good as Letterkenny. I'll uh, if somebody vouches for it, I'll pay twenty bucks for it. Right. Um, so you mentioned stadiums or concert venues yeah. and you said pretty big people come 9,000 seats is not like a huge stadium. Nope. So what about like the Justin Bieber who is from Canada or uh, who else? I can't name any others. Well, Justin Bieber, I mean, he's done some stuff here, but he more would go to Toronto, I think, but he does do stuff here because he was, well, he was born in London, but he was raised in Stratford where that big festival is. Right. So literally you go an hour for me, they have like outside of one of the theaters, he's got his old star there where he used to busk, you know, <laughs> we got lots of history on him anyways. But um, yeah, so we have like Taylor Swift was here. We have some of the big names. I think right before COVID hit, we were supposed to have this Jamie Foxx was supposed to do a big uh, show here as well. Right. So comedy. Yep. He's touring? When was it? When? No, this was right. He was canceled right as COVID hit. So we haven't had really anything going on because Canada's been under lockdown for so long. We are just opening up here, right? So we've had So is it we could touch on that right now a little bit. Um this is what is this is October eighteenth, twenty twenty one for anybody that's listening or watching later. Yeah. But tell us how it is right now. Are you opened up? People can come visit. Yeah. So we are starting to open up more and more. Um so we have we have restrictions and we still have mask mandates that so you have to have mask mandates you're allowed to go they've opened up um to people who are double vaccinated here right so a lot of people that if you're double vaccinated you have to have proof of vaccination and uh then you but you can go into what they call non-essential stores without having that proof so you can go to grocery stores or you can go to the mall things like that to buy your your essentials for life but uh to go sit inside a restaurant you would have to have proof of a double vaccination um to go to a concert or a sporting event um different things like that you or to go on a plane you have to prove all this vaccination right and a lot of people have to have that just for their work uh, we I don't want to get into political things, but it's been quite a thing because some people have been laid off because they don't have their double vaccinations and that's not in their what their belief, right? Or whatever they feel that that's not their conviction. Sure. So it's been, what is without getting political about. about what does double vaccination mean? Does that mean one of the ones that takes two shots or does that mean the two shots plus then the booster or whatever that is? No. So we're just getting to the place where they're going to offer boosters, but the double vaccination would be, we don't have the one and done here. We just had three that were approved and one was pulled back. So we had Pfizer and Moderna, and then we had AstraZeneca and AstraZeneca was pulled back because of some of the cautions that we had seen. Um, but now we're starting to see a third one that people are starting to get offered more for the seniors and more high risk people. Um, so we are in good numbers for our COVID, but we, we did have quite a bit. But Ontario itself, like every province is different, right? Uh, just like every state is different. And we have quite a high rate of vaccination here. So we're seeing our numbers continually go down and being uh, going the right way. Um, 
So hopefully soon we can start to see more, you know, now we're hearing you can go across the border in your car, whereas you could only fly before, um, which is kind of weird. But I've heard that you have to pay for the test to come back into Canada. That's going to cost you several hundred dollars, right? So Several hundred. Yeah, like I, I just... I saw a post from a friend of mine and so she to go to her family because you can see in Canada in, in Ontario some of the northern places are more accessible if you drove through the US. So if you were going to save yourself six hours of driving, which is a lot and go through the US to go back through would cost your family I think she said a family of four that were going to cost her $2,200 to get vaccination tests done. I, I was astounded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So when yeah. you visit Niagara Falls, you want to stay on the Canada side and don't go over oh, yeah. on the other on side, right? Side. It's nicer <laughs> on our side. How far did side. you say how far the drive is? How long to get there? Two hours. About two hours. Perfect. In yeah. good traffic. In good traffic. <laughs> and if you visited there, would you stay there overnight usually? Or would that be a day trip thing typically? Either or? Depends. Depends. You do. Well, we can go there for a day or we would come and go and stay overnight. Um, you know, we've gone there and stayed like New Year's. They have a big, huge New Year's party and you can go there and stay there. It's pretty cool. They have outdoor concerts and stuff like that and and that. But um, a lot of people go and they make a weekend of it because they do Niagara Falls. They go to Niagara on the Lake, which is a small community, uh, the touristic community. And then it ha it's all surrounded by wineries and stuff. So people, a lot of people go and do wine tours and different things like that there. And do people mix Toronto into a visit to Niagara Falls a lot of times? Mm, people no, from outside that are coming from far away. You might not because it's, you can get to both easily, but. Yeah, and it's pretty hard to do both in one day, right? Like, because Toronto's very big. <laughs> like, I think the whole GTA area is something like 15 million people. So it's, like, it's a lot of people, right? <laughs> gotcha. And then now I lost my notes. Uh, driving vacation. Yeah. If you were driving to a vacation, where would be the go-to spot here in Pennsylvania? We go to the Jersey Shore for the most part, or maybe Maryland or Virginia Beach or something. Um, so where you're obviously not driving to that kind of to a to a coast probably. Uh, so what's the go-to driving vacation? Gosh, I think people have cottages. So depending on where they like their cottages. They might have cottages on Lake Erie. We have a lot of, of little coastal um, communities that people have have cottages or boats on. Um, and then we also have Cottage Country, which is up in uh, Simcoe area, Lake Simcoe. And we have, um, you know, the Muskoka is where they have a lot. Of, there's a billion different kind of little lakes and everybody has cottages up there and you have boats and they're all all the lakes are connected with uh, locks and channels and different things like that. Um, and they go up there and they, or they go to Algonquin Park, which is, you know, for me growing up in British Columbia, drive was, you know, six to 12 hours for us, right? So for here, four hour drives, not so much, except for when you have to go across Toronto, we, I, I kind of tend to refer to it as the beast in the middle because you never know what's going on with the traffic there. And it could, it could delay you several hours if it's not good, right? So, uh, but people go, they mostly want to go to the lakes and they go do their thing there and they do that or they will go for like we you know down to niagara falls and and go there a lot of people pop down to the u.s when we can of course and they'll pop down into detroit or go down um you know chicago even because that's only eight hours for us you know so how far would it be to the algonquin park that's quite a drive. And, you know, I've lived in Ontario now. Here's my... And for those, sorry, for the U.S., that's like a, a national park oh. or a state park or whatever. Yeah. So it's it's like, a, it's a good drive from here. It's a good 10-hour drive, I think, from here. Okay. And is it, it's pretty mountainous and... and yeah. It yeah, looks like there's water place. everywhere. There's lakes yeah. everywhere in that whole yeah. area. Yeah, it is. It's a big camping and, and tourist place to go. Uh, you know, it's... I literally have never been up to Algonquin Park. So <laughs> I've lived in Ontario for 13 years and I've always been in the South. Um, <laughs> but my husband, he, he's a bridge builder and when he's, um, he's, he supervises them. And when he goes up there, he'll be like, you need to come up here with me because it's BC up here. <laughs> There's moose up here and everything. <laughs> 
Awesome. Does he hunt? He said, did you say that? No, he doesn't hunt. No, he doesn't hunt. I grew up with hunters though. So I'm very aware of what the, that world's like. <laughs> I'd like to go hunting where I don't actually kill the thing. Cause I don't even want, I don't want the thing, but stalking, being out in the woods, aiming and tracking and doing all the stuff sounds super fun. Um, if I could just like hit him with a paintball or something, be like, I got him. <laughs> just move on with my day. A little bit anticlimactic maybe, but you got to haul that thing out of there then too. You have to like chop it up and put it on your back. No, I, yeah. Let's, uh, it it doesn't sound you, very fun. My growing up was crazy because I lived off there. My father was a hunter. So he would drive us to school in the mornings during school, during hunting season and have his gun in the car with us. And we had to go through that mountain road to get to the bus. And, you know, usually one or two days of the eighth year, we were late for school because my dad shot a deer, right? Or an elk. <laughs> 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 that was my world. <laughs> And that's actually good to know. I'm glad we touched on the hunting and fishing and all the outdoor stuff, especially yeah. that because the deer hunting and fishing here is is a big thing here. So anybody fishing moving out big. of here is going to look for that. Fishing is big here. You can actually charter some big boats on, especially Lake Ontario and and that where they have big charter boats and you can go salmon fishing on those on those lakes. My husband does that with. Um, a lot of our kids, right? The boy, all the boys in the family, they go charter once a year down there and and do their fishing derbies and you know things like that. That's awesome. And like I said, if you if you pull up a map, anybody, and start looking at the area, you'll see a lot of farms right around London. And then as soon as you go kind of up into that towards the national park or the provincial park, um, it's there's water, there's lakes. It seems like every couple miles there's a yeah. lake, a lake, a lake, a lake, a lake, yeah. a lake. So. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. And we've got about four minutes now to touch wow. on what people can get for the money. Less than four minutes, actually. But we can talk about that. Let's do two minutes and then we'll do an outro. Um, so what's the average price point there? Well, the average price point for a house in London right now, sitting over $600,000. We have our board, our real estate board is London St. Thomas area. So we have quite a bit of an area. And in September, the house, Average house price was six hundred and ninety thousand dollars. Okay, and if you were buying something downtown London, um, what would you get for that? So mostly those are condos. So depending, a little one bedroom condo in a just an average building, you're probably looking at uh, just over three hundred thousand, and then your condo fees which could run anywhere from say 300 to and up, depending on, you know, what you have. Uh, if you're having a home downtown, depending on the area, it could be quite pricey. And then what about how much would people have to spend to get that like a three car garage, four to five bedroom, kind of like the, I don't, I hate the term McMansion, but kind of the starter mansion um, here. You're looking at maybe Seven hundred half acre, quarter acre. I don't know. You're going to say more than that, but so what am I looking at? Maybe new versus a resale. Three car garage, four to five bedrooms, three thousand square feet in you're a subdivision. Probably, you're looking at one point two, one point three, and, and also depends. Like our resale necessarily aren't are much different than our than our new builds because of the. We don't have, we have such a demand, right? We have literally less than two weeks of inventory on our books. So we have everything that comes on sells. Like here, I'm glad you brought that up. So it's still, still like that there. Yeah, cooled off a little bit in the summer and we've heated right back up over the fall. Very aggressive. Great for sellers and uh, interest rates are still good. So um Still a good time to buy also. And waiting doesn't do you any good because the prices are still going up and the next house you buy is gonna be based on the last one you sold plus another bit that you have to pay over to beat the other people. So That's waiting right. doesn't really do you any favors either. That's and the right. crash is not coming. There is no crash coming. Uh, off my soapbox now. Um, so what are the age of the homes? So in London, here we've got a lot of old stuff on the East Coast. Typically, our downtowns are like a 1900 to 1920 kind of built stuff. And then the further out, it gets into the 40s, 50s, 60s, 90s, 2000s. Is it kind of the same deal or how far back do you go? 
Yeah, so London, you know, from the 18, 1700s and, and that area where we had started, but a lot, we have homes that are 120 years old. But beyond that, you're starting to get some real breakdown, right? But we do have some whole er heritage buildings that have been rehabbed and, and they're beautiful. Uh, we have a couple of different areas where you have larger homes and, you know, in the Victorian style homes and then the mid-century homes. And then we start to go out to the little wartime home bungalows and different brick. We have a lot of brick here, a lot of brick. And then we go out to the, the more of the um, neighborhoods and the some gated communities but not really gated they're just more like a driving community like what i live in um and uh we go out and beyond that and now we're entering into the farmlands so <laughs> we're taking over farmlands <laughs> yeah same here it sounds very similar and, and if you do look at on your map like like you mentioned you're down here almost not quite Pennsylvania, but not very high up there. Um, yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of similarities between the two. Uh, we literally have 10 seconds. So uh, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And then I'm gonna hit this button. If you could do anything else, what would you do? You got 10 seconds to answer. I'd just be uh, travel. I would be a professional travel, travel agent. Thanks for being with us, Daniel. <laughs> Say bye. 